Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you've been soaking up the sun on a Greek island this summer, COVID restrictions might not have been your only concern. Almost every day when I'm on my house in Samos, there will be a sort of flyover by two Turkish fighter jets coming right over my house. There's always mock dogfights going on. In recent months, the simmering tensions between ancient rivals, Greece and Turkey, have been heating up again. Could these two NATO allies be on the brink of war? It's a very tense area. I think there is a danger that we might inadvertently end up with an exchange of ordnance, guns fired, missiles shot between Greece and Turkey. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Greece and Turkey, historic rivals in a new showdown. I'm Hannah Lucinda Smith. I'm the Istanbul correspondent for The Times. And where where are you talking to us from now? I'm in Istanbul at the moment. I can sort of hear a bit of it in the background. There's some horns beeping. (laughs) It's actually fairly relaxed for Istanbul. From her post in Istanbul, Hannah Lucinda Smith has been watching tensions rise between Turkey and Greece this summer. Greece and Turkey have sent warships to an area southwest of Cyprus in an effort to reinforce their claims to oil and gas resources in the area. Today, Turkish warships entered territory that both Greece and Turkey claim as their own. Athens put its army on alert and sent its navy and air force to the area, supported by European... The stream of furious rhetoric on both sides has been stoked by dogfights between Turkish and Greek planes and a collision between their ships on the highly contested sea. And now, the Turks are assembling tanks on the border with Greece, whilst the Greeks are buying up weapons and militarising the islands nearest to Turkey. So what's behind this rather dangerous game of brinkmanship? Hannah Lucinda Smith says it all looked very different four years ago. In the summer of 2016, I started hearing about and reading about this huge gas discovery in the sea around Cyprus. And actually at that time, 
it was kind of being discussed that actually this gas would be a kind of key that could unlock peace on Cyprus, which has been divided between a Greek-speaking side and a Turkish-speaking side since 1974 when there was war. And experts and analysts were saying, well, actually, this gas could be the key because if we want to exploit it, then both sides have to come together. We also have to bring it ashore somehow. You have to have a pipeline bringing it somewhere. And at the time, it was said, well, that place could be Turkey because very close by on the Turkish coast in a town called Jehan. It was already a kind of energy hub. It was a place where a gas line coming from Azerbaijan ended, one coming from Iraqi Kurdistan ended. So I I went to Jehan at the time in July 2016. Can you just sort of give us a bit of a description of the town? What was it like when you arrived there? Yeah, it's a strange place. So it's It's on the coast, but it's by no means a tourist resort. It's a very, very industrial town. Quiet, you know, off the map, backwater town. But like I say, you know, this incredible wealth running under its pavements, these two huge pipelines, one the gas pipeline from Azerbaijan and the other the oil pipeline from Iraqi Kurdistan. Back in 2016, it looked like Jehan, this small industrial town in Turkey, could become the host of a new pipeline for the natural gas found off the coast of Cyprus, bringing wealth to Turkey as well as Greece. The potential economic boost provided a big incentive for both countries to work together. I wrote an article from there, and actually the headline of my piece was uh, Gas Bonanza Raises Hope of Peace Deal Over Cyprus. So it just goes to show that journalists don't always get it right, right? That doesn't seem particularly prescient now. No, sadly. Instead of bringing peace, things fell apart. Things really started going wrong, I guess, a year later. That was when other countries in the region, so it's not just under Cypriot waters that there's gas, there's also gas under Israeli waters, Egyptian waters, Lebanese, Greek. And all these countries started coming together and talking about other ways that they might get this gas ashore or bring it to surface, and excluding Turkey. At the same time, the political situation in Turkey was also changing dramatically. I'm actually looking at the dateline from that piece I did in 2016. It's July the 9th. Mm. Now, of course, seven days later, six days later, there was the attempted coup in Turkey which accelerated a kind of process of democratic backsliding that had already sort of started in Turkey. We started seeing increasingly, you know, Turkey sort of having diplomatic battles with its neighbours. So politically, the position of Turkey was changing. And I think that's one of the reasons why these other regional countries sort of started getting together and excluding Turkey. So Turkey, angry at being left out, decided to act. So it was in 2017 that Turkey first unilaterally sent its own ships into the region, its own exploration ships and also its own warships. And and really the kind of crisis has swelled from there. Since then, tensions have rapidly risen as Turkey continued to send exploration vessels and warships into the waters around Cyprus. But in November last year, they escalated further when Turkey signed a new maritime deal with Libya. Essentially, they divvied up the sea between them. Now, that might be fine 
if the Turkish bit didn't cut right over several Greek islands and also skirt really close to the coast of Crete. So slicing right over waters that Greece claims for itself. How could that happen? This is another kind of crux of the problem. If you look at a map of Greece and Turkey, you'll see that between the two mainlands, there are hundreds of islands. Now, all but four of those are Greek, including ones which are so close to the Turkish coastline. We're talking literally a kilometre away at some point. If you want to get a kind of idea of how close these islands are, I mean, there are points on some of them where you can literally stand on the Greek island and wave at someone standing in Turkey. I mean, I actually have a house on Samos, which geographically is the closest island to the Turkish shores. And actually, when I'm sitting on my terrace, I can watch the cars driving along the road in Turkey. My phone flickers between Greek signal and Turkish signal. It's really, really, really close. The islands are tantalisingly close to the Turkish mainland. And in the treaty signed with Libya last year, Turkey claimed the sea around them as their own domain. Greece was incandescent. And centuries of animosity were distilled into a dispute over maritime law. Bear with me. So Greece believes it has rights over the sea surrounding the islands, as set out in the United Nations Convention on the Laws of the Sea. But Turkey never signed that convention. They believe they should have rights over the sea surrounding their land. After all, whilst the islands of Samos, Chios and Lesbos are only a couple of kilometres away from the Turkish mainland, they are hundreds of kilometres away from Greece. Turkey thinks this gives Greece a huge advantage in claiming rights to vast swathes of the Aegean Sea, whilst their rights are being curtailed. Greece believes that every landmass should have rights to the sea around it, and that includes the islands. And this summer, Greece signed another treaty, this time with Egypt, again stating their rights to these waters. The treaty was like a red rag to Turkey, just as the country was still smarting from being left out of the Eastern Mediterranean Gas Forum, which, like the group back in 2017, didn't invite either Turkey or Turkish Cyprus to join. The Greek Prime Minister hit back. Well, my message to, to Turkey is, uh, is very simple. Stop the provocations uh, and let's start talking uh, as uh, civilised neighbours. We have uh, just concluded uh, a very important agreement with Egypt where we essentially um, delimited our maritime zones. Uh, this is an agreement that could serve as a blueprint for other agreements uh, in the region. How much are the characters of the current leaders of Turkey and Greece contributing to the rising tensions? In Erdogan, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the Turkish president, and Kyriakos Mitsotakis, who's the Greek prime minister, actually we have two characters who, neither of them are going to like me saying this, are quite similar in a lot of ways. Clearly, Turkey is a very different country to Greece at this point. We can't even compare in terms of the quality of the democracy, the quality of the independence of the media and things like that. But when we look at Mitsotakis and Erdogan, you know, they're both leaders who 
like to be quite bombastic in the way that they talk, like to draw on history in the way that they talk, like to draw on kind of jingoist sentiment in the way that they talk about this issue. Both Turkey and Greece are members of NATO. Surely, however bad the war of words, it couldn't really escalate any further. Could it? How serious could this get? Stories of Our Times recently spoke to a former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, Admiral James Stavridis, and we thought he'd be just the man to ask. I think it's very serious, and it goes beyond the always fraught relationship between Turkey and Greece. It includes the controversies about Cyprus, claims on gas under the waters of the eastern Mediterranean. It's a very tense area. Uh, As an admiral, I'm often asked about what's the most dangerous maritime zone in the world. And for a few years, I've been saying the South China Sea. Today, as I watch tensions rise in the eastern Mediterranean, I would say the eastern Med is going to give the South China Sea a run for the money in terms of real tension. Can you foresee a situation where NATO has to step in and, and patrol the Aegean? I can foresee a variety of schemes where United Nations, NATO, European Union um, become part of a peacekeeping force, whether that's on a land border, whether it's at sea, whether it's uh, in the Aegean, whether it's more broadly in the eastern Mediterranean. Is there a danger we might inadvertently end up with, with a war? I think there is a danger that we might inadvertently end up with an exchange of ordnance, guns fired, missiles shot between Greece and Turkey. Yes, we are lucky that NATO exists in the sense that it provides a forum uh, where those two sides, Greece and Turkey, can come together and try and work on their differences. During my four years as Supreme Allied Commander, we had... uh, many incidents involving Turkish and Greek aircraft and involving Turkish and Greek warships and claims of territoriality going both ways. But I will say this, Nanveen, I I think that it is at a new level of tension. The rivalry between Turkey and Greece can be traced back to antiquity. Just think of the Trojan War. More recently, Greece was ruled by the Turks for four centuries when it was part of the Ottoman Empire. Greece eventually won a war of independence in the 1820s, and then, in an odd twist of political symmetry, they took over part of mainland Turkey when the Ottoman Empire collapsed at the end of the First World War. In 1919, the Turkish general Kemal Atatürk, the future leader of the country, led an uprising against the Greek occupiers. It was a battle steeped in blood. It left almost no Turkish town untouched. The Greeks were pushed out of Asia Minor. A huge amount of Greek refugees then fled to what is now the Greek mainland and the Greek islands. When the war ended in 1922, Turkey had won back the mainland and a few of the islands nearby. But the majority of the islands, however close to Turkey, remain Greek. 
in normal times, you know, especially between the people who live in this region, you know, the, the Turks who live on the Turkish Aegean coast and the Greeks who live on the islands, you know, there's incredibly close relations. And in some cases, they are actually related. There is, you know, business links, you know, a lot of trade links, and relations are really, really good. But it's just every so often that there's a political problem between Turkey and Greece, and then, you know, this area is again sort of used as a weapon and it comes back into the rhetoric. And, you know, another thing that Turkey has said recently, Erdogan has said recently, we will never give up our claims to these islands. It's easy to sort of sit there and laugh and go, yeah, dream on. But, you know, actually, when I talk to my friends on Samos, it's, it's a tangible fear for them. You know, they always say things like, you know, Greece is a nation of 10 million and we've got this neighbour of 80 million is always hostile to us and always threatening us. And, you know, what, what happens if they attack us? Yeah, I remember a man on Samos once saying to me that they always kept one eye on the Turkish coast. Yeah. And literally one eye was always looking over just in case. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Which is an odd way to live day after day, I guess. Even in good times, there's constant incursions by each other's air force. So there's always mock dogfights going on. So almost every day when I'm on my house in Samos, there will be a sort of flyover by two Turkish fighter jets coming right over my house, like low flying over my house. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, this summer, because I haven't been able to get there because of COVID and because of the tensions, etc. So I, I took a holiday on Turkey's Aegean coast and the same thing happened with Greek fighter jets. It, it's kind of easy to laugh off when things are going well, but, you know, actually when, when things kind of kick off, it becomes really uncomfortable. Is this really just about gas and maritime law? Is there any other reason why this would all be kicking off now and escalating so quickly? Something else happened this summer, which has nothing to do with gas at all, but is everything to do with relations between Turkey and Greece. And I think actually, you know, standing back and looking at the whole bigger picture, I think we can pinpoint this as well as another trigger point. And that's the decision by a Turkish court to turn the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul back into a mosque. Now, the Hagia Sophia, for anyone who doesn't know Istanbul, is an absolutely incredible building. It was built in the sixth century as the seat of Eastern Christianity. At the time, it was the biggest building in the world. So it served as an Orthodox cathedral. It served as a Catholic cathedral for a bit. And then in 1453, when the Ottomans uh, captured Istanbul, the Sultan at that time, he converted it into a mosque. It stayed as a mosque until 1934. Kemal Atatürk, the first uh, president of the Turkish Republic, decided to turn it into a museum to sort of put this dispute over. But yeah, in July, a Turkish court, backed by Erdogan, decided that it should be converted back into a mosque. The court decided that this decision of 1934 didn't stand, it wasn't lawful. That was overturned. A couple of hours later, Erdogan issued a decree to turn it back into a mosque. And then on July 24th, we had the first Islamic prayers, the first Friday prayers. And in Greece, you know, very different. That day was an official day of mourning. Churches across Greece rang their bells. They did a, a prayer of mourning at the same time that the first prayers were being held in the Hagia Sophia. I think we can also mark this as a kind of trigger point. You know, if we look at the dates, that was 24th of July, the first prayers, and it was, I think, the 4th of August when everything broke down at sea and Turkey sent 
its exploration ships and its warships out into disputed waters. It may seem an obvious question, but surely the Turks and Erdogan knew that changing the Hagia Sophia, which, as you say, had been a museum since 1934, back into a mosque would be seen as very provocative. Of course, of course. I've been in Istanbul now for nearly eight years and it was the third time that it had been suggested that Hagia Sophia should be turned into a mosque, either by Erdogan or by one of Erdogan's allies. It's something that Erdogan's always kind of dragged up every time he wanted to stir a bit of nationalist sentiment to sort of rouse an argument with the Greeks. There's no way that he did not know what kind of reception was going to meet with in Greece. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since tensions escalated this summer and both countries dispatched planes and ships to the eastern Mediterranean, there have been a few tense moments when it almost got out of hand. In early August, Greece was holding some war games with France in the sea between Crete and Cyprus. Also, um, a Turkish exploration vessels in the same area, accompanied by some Turkish warships, and they got so close that a Greek ship clipped a Turkish ship. Now, it's de-escalated very quickly, but obviously that's the kind of thing that you do not want happening. There have been a few close calls with low-flying planes too. NATO called in military figures from both countries to avoid any further accidents in the eastern Mediterranean. But talks to address the underlying political tensions have been much harder to arrange. Just finding a mediator who is acceptable to both sides is hard enough. The German Chancellor, Angela Merkel, helped to broker talks earlier this summer. But Turkey believes the EU is firmly on the side of Greece, a belief that will have been bolstered over the last few days by talk of EU sanctions against Turkey. President Macron waded in, meeting the Greek Prime Minister and publicly criticising Turkey's stance. As Greece announced it was buying French fighter jets to boost its defence against Turkey, President Erdogan let rip. Türkiye'nin Doğu Akdeniz'den Libya'ya kadar farklı cephelerde yürüttüğü mücadele sadece bir hak mücadelesi değil, bir istikbal mücadelesi. Followed by this from the Turkish Defence Minister. 
Mr. Macron is not contributing to a solution here. He is trying to take on the role of Napoleon. But we can see he's neither powerful enough nor tall enough to do it. Ouch. President Trump has been speaking to both sides for months, but it hasn't eased tensions so far. The Russians have offered to get involved, but America and the EU would oppose that. So who should act as peacemaker? One really interesting suggestion that was made to me, both by a former Turkish admiral and by somebody who knows the British military quite well, is that the UK might be a possible mediator. So the UK has stayed out of it so far. We've obviously got interest in Cyprus because we've got two bases in the Republic of Cyprus. And we also enjoy quite good relations with Ankara, which not many people can say at the moment, as Erdogan has alienated almost everyone in the European Union, actually with the UK, has maintained good relations. The fact that we've left the EU means that we're not kind of bound in with what Brussels is saying anymore. We have quite good relations with Greece as well. I'm sure a lot of people say, well, well, we shouldn't be sticking our nose in, it's not our place. But actually, I think, A, we do have a place because, like I say, we have these interests in Cyprus. B, we're one of the few countries who actually might be seen as a kind of neutral mediator. And C, if we manage to do it and manage to do it successfully, it would give our kind of image overseas and particularly in Europe a bit of a boost post-Brexit. It might show that actually we do have a place in, in European politics in this kind of new era where we're not in the EU. So, you know, as mad as it might sound, there are people on all sides who say actually it could... It could actually work. What's it like for you watching these, you know, the tensions escalate, living in Istanbul, but also, you know, having a home in Samos? I mean, it must be a a very personal story. Yeah, it is. It makes me really sad, actually, because, you know, one of the things that strikes me whenever I'm in Samos or particularly in the Aegean part of Turkey is just how similar their cultures are. You know, they have different languages and they have different religions, but the food they eat, what in Turkey is called a mehane or in Greece, a taverna, you know, these places where you sit and you get drunk and you eat meze and fish. They both do it. You know, they call it raka in Turkey and ouzo in Greece, but it's the same drink. It's this aniseed liqueur. And they listen to the same music. And in some cases, you know, they even have the same songs, but in... Turkey, they sing it in Turkish, and in Greece, they sing it in Greek. You know, they're they're literally brothers. They're Aegean brothers, and you know, I love both countries really, really deeply. And it's you know, it's it's gutting, and also you know, I feel gutted for the people on both sides who rely on good relations for their livelihood. So principally, people who work in tourism. When I talk to people on both sides, they they tell me the same thing. You know, they say we just hope that it can be resolved soon. Are you worried that? it won't end well. I don't think it helps anyone for a journalist to be saying, ah, there's, they're at the brink of war. Because as I said, you know, the signs are that that's not what anyone wants. But I think the longer that it goes on and the more that we have it leading to arms purchases, etc., etc., the more dangerous it gets.
You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Hannah Lucinda Smith, the Times Istanbul correspondent. You can read more of Hannah Lucinda's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Will Rowe and Brenna Daldorf. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Nicola Orfast. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. If you get a chance, please do leave us a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and now we're also available on the Times Radio app, along with all the other podcasts from the Times. To download the app, search for Times Radio on your app store. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.